<laughs> Welcome to the Propane Fitness Podcast. We are sat on the floor. Chris, Johnny, myself, and that's Johnny ruffling <laughs> his mug around the floor. <laughs> we just started talking about it. <laughs> to irritate you. He knows it upsets me, and it's going to upset you if you're listening with headphones as well, so I apologise. Now, we are with Mr. Robin Ramage, who Hi. is our uh, yoga teacher. We've all been to his classes uh, every week for the last few months, and uh, I'm very excited. <coughs> to I haven't seen you for a while. Rumbled. Rumbled. Been done. You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain. With none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. We can talk about the Chris, the Chris yoga mystery. Yeah. How, how I first ended up going to yoga. So the story, how we ended up going to yoga was, Chris said, hey guys, I've, I'm going to start going to yoga. It's just down the road from where you live, Yusuf. And... Uh, so Johnny and I went on a Thursday as as uh, Chris I requested, planned. and then he pulled out at the last minute. <laughs> he, he, he did this two or three times, so he's just kind of setting us what up for it. A... <laughs> you you guys were like ships passing. You didn't believe that Chris had turned up when he said yeah. Honestly, I, I we, we confirm think... he did. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, we've got an, adjud- an independent adjudicator here that can say that you're talking. It wasn't just Chris trying to set Johnny and I up on some kind of date. Weird. Yoga Weird. Chris has Yoga. been there every week the last few weeks. Yeah, so Chris, you guys are Thank you, even though my mobility doesn't suggest it, I have been there. It's not about being flexible. Do you, do you feel better? Yeah, fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Good. I feel good. I, I said I'd come back after having had two or three weeks off, and um, the difference is... is What's it like coming back after a few weeks off? Pretty, diff- pretty tough. Is it? Yeah, really tough. We, t- you made a good analogy. I can't remember what it was about um, about meditation, and it was kind of like your baseline happiness or your baseline sort of level of what you consider to be good health or good sort of mindset. Um, it just gets higher, and then when you stop meditating, if you take two or three or four days off, it you just realise that it starts to go back down. So you don't necessarily get worse, but your expectation of what it should be is higher. So mm. I, I, I think I said that you do get worse because you're almost like you're shaking up the glass with the, the mud in the bottom, yep. and then um, you have a, an outlet to process it. And then when you stop the outlet, the pressure Bottles just builds up, up again. Yeah, cause you so stop. it works the same for the body as well as it does for meditation. I think so. so I don't know because I haven't taken... I, think, I, I, mean, I, I, think, I, I definitely think that my mobility just generally is better now. Yeah. Long, long term. So it's worse to stop and then start than yeah. to never start at all. Right. Is it? Is that what you're saying? I think he's saying that. In the short term. Anatomically, <clears throat> would it be? Uh, there's something called the repeated bout effect, which is if you've taken some time off training and then you restart, you're going to be more sore temporarily. Mm. But that soreness is also associated with more muscle growth. So you, yeah. you resensitize yourself to the muscle building the anabolic signaling it's a very physiological symptom as well that isn't it I'm not convinced that that would be the same <laughs> thing like you, I, I, I don't yeah. know the meditation will activate down that same but you were saying about shaking up the yeah I think water. on a psychological level yeah. the meditation is um, you're almost opening up your mind and digging into the deeper and deeper reaches of it and then when suddenly you, you stop the the actual process of of processing Release. it then mm. you've just shaken up the glass and there's yeah, no fuck. yeah right. anyway 
<laughs> Rub in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm really interested to see what about meditation. Like. <laughs> well, yeah, we can certainly discuss it. So, um, thanks for uh, jumping on the podcast. No so, problem. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your journey and how you discovered yoga? Yeah, okay. So, my journey, how I started with yoga. <clears throat> so, I'd say for mine, you kind of got to go back to something that I've been working with intense in class and it I call it or I've learned to call it the original wound and I believe everybody has it and it's like the the set of circumstances in your life that kind of define all of your your negative patterns that you you carry through your life you know the stories that keep repeating the experiences that keep repeating your life lessons almost so I go back to to mine when I was growing up and mine, mine were all about self-worth really or, or, a, or a lack of self-worth and it kind of sets you up for a life of numbing out as well, which I'm sure everybody can relate to. We all numb out in different ways or hide or, or run from our, our shit, basically. Um, and for me, mine, mine would be, you know, growing up drinking drugs. And then you realise that they're not great for you. So you, you jack them in. And then for me, I went to exercise. So I would go to running. And, but then just take things to the fucking extreme, basically. So it would be, you know, running marathons. And then once that didn't do it for me anymore, I would switch it to mountaineering. So I'd go and climb some mountains up in Scotland. And it got to a level where I was kind of almost chasing this like jeopardy, this sort of life or death thing going on. Because you become so numb that the only way to really feel anything was to be right at the extremes. Yeah. So yeah, I'd I'd numbed out. Yeah, I'd numbed out in so many areas of my life that the only time I really felt alive was when there was kind of that level of jeopardy there. That's how numb I got. Um, and then that kind of culminated in a period of, of, of thinking my path was to join the army. So I got into some training in the army and then quit right at the end before before I passed. Um, and just realised how fucking broken I was basically. I was like, look, where's this going? Where's this going to leave me? Um, and then about two weeks after that, someone invited me to go to a yoga class. And I got into a yoga class and maybe, I don't know, the second time in, got put in a pigeon on the left-hand side, everybody smiling, so you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and the, these emotions come out of the body and it was feeling, um, and it was the total opposite to, you know, 20 odd years of numbing out. Um, and I got really into my practice on and off for about a year and then took my practice to a deeper level and then had an opportunity to go on the teacher training and things have just kind of taken off from there. So that's really interesting that um, you were almost going through harder and harder drugs or kind of the well the the endogenous drugs yes. until it gets to the point where um you're having to go to such extremes to get anything out of it yeah and so before that um were you quite emotionally in tune with yourself or were you I mean, that, I yeah so i mean emotionally yeah so stuff that maybe shut me down emotionally when when i was 16 i lost someone i loved to suicide um, and I, I can definitely pinpoint that back to when i, I emotionally I shut down um, and I, like, I didn't cry for 20 years or 18 years until I did the training, the forest yoga training wow. last year. So I like, yeah, I, and when I say I hadn't cried, it was like, I would always feel a, a desire to, to cry and have that release, but I was so conditioned to just pushing it back down um, that I never could. And like, I would see people who would cry and I'd be like, I get jealous. I'd be like, I fucking want that. Do you think the army... Like the training, no, no, no. I was, I was done way before then. So like my, my numbing out from feeling went way, way, way back. Um, but I always wanted that release. Uh, and then when, when I went on the training after about ten days, it came and it, it was bliss. Like you know, for someone who just numbed out 
for the best part of 20 years, like to, to have that feeling come up and all these emotions reconnect and, and express. Um, yeah, it was bliss. Was that a little bit like reaching a different sort of mountain, do you think, in terms of, um, sort of an emotion? No, it was kind of turning your back on the mountain and realising you don't have to climb it anymore, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, yeah, it was really, it was walking away from old ways rather than overcoming them. It was just realising that I did, they weren't my stories anymore, I didn't need them anymore. Mm-hmm. It's probably quite a difficult thing for people to like appreciate or understand the idea that you wouldn't, you weren't crying at something mm. that was upsetting you at the time. I imagine. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, yeah, like, so my partner at the time, yeah, like, you know, I I apologised to her all the time for it. I apologised to her this week for it. Um, You know, we just got married and then, and then straight away after six months after my joint and joined the army and like, you know, like that wasn't what she'd signed up for. And I, but I I had to chase it because I was broken, you know? Um, And yeah, it really, it really got me to a, a point where in the end I just did, you know, I had to do something and something had to change. And, and for me, it was it was finding yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, that helped me get out of my head and get my awareness back into my body and just feel the, you know, the pain and the hurt that had happened over the years and allow it to experience and, and express itself. So can we talk a bit about what you think is actually going on there? Cause, um, mm, in the body? Yeah, so the, there's this idea in yoga that you, you're <coughs> storing the emotion in your body. Yeah. So yeah, the training that I've done... It does come with the yoga training, but also with the bodywork training that I've done, which is really intrinsically linked to the yoga training. And the best way I can describe it, I mean, you take fear, for instance. So, you know, evolutionary, we're all designed to have this fight, flight and freeze response. And that was okay back in the day where, you know, you'd be a caveman and something would be chasing you and you'd run or you'd fight it. Or if you see animals in the animal world, they, they'll sometimes freeze, but then afterwards they'll have all of this energetic baby, you know, dogs will spin around and stuff. And that's, that's how they release that energy. Um, but in the modern world that we all live in now, we don't, we, we, we get challenged with stresses and we, we don't express them in fight, flight or freeze. And what the body does is, you know, f- especially with fear, all of the major flexors of the body are designed to contract when you experience a stressor or fear but then we don't, we, we don't release that, <coughs> so it gets stored. And yeah, I, I, I firmly believe that, you know, your, everybody's emotional trauma is stored in their cell tissue, in their cell memory and muscle memory within the body. So I think, I think that's what we're working with, with yoga and body work. So with the muscular system, so there's a, I saw a study recently that shows that there's, um, there's you see telomerase activity, which is at the, at the genetic chromosome level, um, you see chromosomal damage in children that have been exposed to violence at a young age, <clears throat> which is so crazy that um, you're not only that, that there is damage at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess what you're talking about is the the muscular system. And in our interview with Kit Lachlan, he used the analogy of getting a cat-like body. Yeah. So he said if a dog has had a fight with another dog and it it walks around stiff for the next hour, completely rigid. Yeah. Whereas a cat will kind of roll around and um, slither on the floor and things up straight away and it doesn't hold that tension in its body anymore. Yeah. So do you think that um, yoga is, from from your classes, it seems like it's about exploring that. Yeah. And being able to work through some of the Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, forest yoga specifically is, is really designed for... For all of the ways that we don't express that energy you're talking about in the modern world. So like you say, a dog who's had a fight will express it by going rigid, a cat will roll around. We all just go about our day, you know, you're going to work and you'll have an argument with your boss and like those, 
you know those and that those emotions are in there but you don't express them and I, I see yoga and body work as an opportunity just to get your awareness back in your body and just start processing the the stresses and the trauma that that we've all been through and sometimes it can just be from the day and sometimes it can go back many 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 years this this side of um <clears throat> of yoga was something that was completely new to me like i remember yeah Yusuf wrote an article about yoga four years ago. Probably a lot. longer even, yeah. He did it, you had a, what, a month course or something? Yeah. So a few sessions for free. <laughs> so I used to live above a yoga school in Edinburgh mm-hmm. and they offered a, a month for like 20 quid. It's normally several hundred pounds a month to, to join. Yusuf so, loves stuff like that. Yeah, so I just pounded it every, every morning, every <laughs> evening. I just hammered the yoga just to get my money's worth, maybe. <laughs> I'm yeah, quite special. I hammered the yoga. Yeah. <laughs> you can't win at yoga. You <laughs> the battle's on with yourself. Yeah. Well, I, just try to complete yoga with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I run yoga. I to, yeah, I got to the final boss and uh, yeah. started again on a higher difficulty set. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was definitely... Um, my experience of it, I was very new to, to that. I'd been meditating for some time, but it was just mm. some other meditation. So quite boring, focused just mm. on your breath. Um, and what I'd found at least was you'd come in and you'd be very like, very tightly strung yeah. and um, feeling like everyone's judging you because you're in this dedicated school where everyone's really serious about it and they're all really good. And you're this kind of um, grunting, sweaty guy at the back of the room and also being the only guy there there's a sense of um, people just think I'm like perving out on them or something. Like mm. I, I feel out of place. And then halfway through the session, it was Ashtanga. Mm-hmm. And we would just, uh, eventually that would completely melt away. And then all that existed in your awareness was your breath. Yeah. And then the suffering drops as well. If this pose is really hard, all of those kind of self-referential thoughts go away. And by the time you come you out... You find pleasure class, in the pose by the end of it? pretty much or yeah. just or there's just no story around it at all yeah. and you, then you, you come out of the class thinking what happened mm. like surely that was just an exercise class and then that was so replicable to the point where I like because I'm such a um, weird uh, obsessive guy that I'd, I started um, <laughs> tabulating it on a spreadsheet <laughs> oh so you I, said that's really weird <laughs> Johnny's the only other guy in the room that would do this um, yeah. so, so um, I started just logging mood before and after out of 10 um and like various parameters i can't remember what i logged now and all of them had a had an (laughs) you know when you're feeling these emotions when you're thinking what am i gonna log this out see that's to me that's not really feeling (laughs) (laughs) yeah usually afterwards and i just thought actually um yeah something something's going on here yeah there's clearly some some ancient wisdom here yeah yeah the body i definitely say the body has its own wisdom there's, there's wisdom in your body that you can tap into if you get your awareness out of your head and get it back into your body. And you're, that's, 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 yeah, that's the, the breath's the gateway for it. Um, and, and that's definitely what I see in, in forest yoga practice. Can you tell us a little bit about forest yoga and the backgrounds? Because yeah. before we started that I thought forest yoga come from something in a forest. forest. Yeah, no. It's got nothing to do with being in a forest, does it? <laughs> no, it's got nothing. <laughs> everybody asks that. Like, everybody asks that. Um, so, yeah. Forest Yoga was created by a lady called Anna Forrest. And she's got a really interesting story. She's got a book called Fierce Medicine, which is her, her biography. And if anybody is looking to get into Forest Yoga, it's a good gateway if you want to know what it's all about. Um, she had, she had a, a life filled with trauma of the, you know, the most damaging kind from a very, very young age. 
and she she saved her own life really through her yoga practice and she took what has been you know a three thousand year old practice really or three thousand year old knowledge that is yoga and tailored it for all of the woes of the modern world and that's why i think it it's so effective in this day and age because it's designed for this day and age mm. that's really cool so it's been because I, I i don't know a whole lot about this but i my understanding is that the regular yoga that we that people practice in the western world so the iyengar yoga there's different styles yeah i mean there's okay. hatha ashtanga iyengar there's there's all sorts that they're all quite quite recent in terms of being brought together mm -hmm. is that is that fair to say yeah yeah i think i think from a, a lot of those styles their lineage goes back further i'd say f there's probably a, a, a gap between those and where forest yoga so what's the difference from. what would be the difference practically <coughs> and also in terms of intent and, and, and so end like, result as well i believe anna trained um with in in our younger i'd have to check that but i believe she did and she didn't like what what she saw what she was taught and she went and did it her own way for something that worked for her. So she, she basically designed sequencing and wisdom uh, around yoga that worked for her and what she saw was working for the, the, the people she was working with. And, and it's just spread from there and it's become a, a, a model and a sequence that I'd say it works for a certain type of person. So there's, when it comes to yoga, there's, there's all these different styles and there's a, there's a lot of bashing goes on between different styles of yoga and I don't subscribe to any of that. There's not many people in forest yoga I think do subscribe to that. But what I find is for certain people, forest yoga catches them in exactly the way they need to be caught. It did for me, it did for a lot of the people I've worked with. And, and if it catches you and it's the right practice for you, then, then, then go for it and stick with it. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, or you're curious, go try every other style that's out there and make your own decision. Are there some key characteristics of what would technically make forest yoga different in terms of the movements? Or the sequencing, yeah. So I don't know what your guys' experience is with going to other styles or other classes, but you're... Just you. Okay. Just yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very loyal. Yes. Um, so yeah, you notice that we, we, we always start, start off with a seated sequence. We do pranayama right at the start because it's important to get breath, the connection to your breath right at the start of a class. Other styles will do pranayama right at the end. In forest yoga, the connection to breath is right at the start. Then we go into a really heavy ab sequence, yes. which you guys have all experienced. <laughs> which, which is, which is borderline embarrassing. There's not really a way that I can describe this uh, only audibly, other than maybe making the noises that come out of my mouth when I'm doing it. But when we're in a, a class and there's me, Johnny and Yusuf and Robin at the front, and then maybe 10 women and maybe one or two other guys, mm. and by a distance we'll probably be the, the heaviest guys in the room. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and going in and trying to hold these poses that are probably maybe only thirty seconds within one particular movement mm -hmm. sequence, maybe five minutes. It feels it feels like a, a fucking lifetime. Feels like yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah, yeah. But, it's but, about yeah. It's it's not longer than five five to ten and minutes. Being in there and trying to hold these poses that's collaborated with your breath and you're sweating and shaking, mm. and then from the front of the room you'll hear. Robin say, and can everybody relax and breathe through the breathe through the pose, and remember to relax your face as well. And yeah. You just think, yeah, yeah. People like, I look around the room. Yeah, face faces. I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. How how much when you look around the room do we appear to be struggling versus? Other you people? guys struggle way more. Than <laughs> we really, yeah, because totally, yeah. that, that is how it feels. But I always feel. No, like it's that. right. Yeah. Is it really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we're 
broadcasting our suffering in a way that's at least tangible. So this is something we were talking about just before the podcast started, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a load of excuses now for why we're so shit at it. So try and justify it scientifically. Yeah, but um, what it is is that I think obviously the weight and the 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 leverage is hard, but um, the way that you train for powerlifting, for strength, for hypertrophy. Anyone listening to this podcast probably trains in this way. You are actively changing your fiber composition slowly to glycolytic, fast twitch muscle fibers. And then when you're challenged in an endurance capacity to hold your leg up for 30 seconds or so, it's completely, you've completely detrained for that. It's just retarded. How can you deadlift 301 kilos? Pick, you <laughs> Thank picked you for doing how, right. how, 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 how many pounds is that? Sick. Uh, Infinite pounds. No, you mean a hundred pounds? Oh, can you lift? <laughs> what? Um, it's like six, six hundred and sixty pounds. Right. So for American listeners, six hundred and sixty mm. pounds. That's how much you can pick up off the floor, mm. but you get your ass kicked by gravity. So that's why. Mm. In, in but, a, but not only that, but pose. we've all done a set of twelve, or three sets of twelve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which crunches. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, like, or, like, or more than that, and you've done a lot more than that in CrossFit. Yes. So there's no way. That there's some kind of physiological adaptation that means that it's hard for us to hold our leg out straight. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say honestly, you guys just need to do more abs or like forest yoga abs right. as well. Because a lot of like, there's a different. You notice <laughs> pretty much everything we do is feet off the ground. Yeah. You engage in your low core there, like really deeply into your low core. And if you're, you know, if you're doing crossfit, I don't know how you guys do press up, uh, sit ups or whatever. If it's feet on the floor and you know military style, you're not engaging the low low core. And I think that. It's, it it's just feels it feels like a lot of the poses so I did I did um, Lao Gao Kung Fu for mm-hmm. five years my teenage years and a lot of the time there was spent in horse stance um, you kept that quiet I was in five years of Kung Fu it's <laughs> <laughs> the first time you've ever said that <laughs> I got I was ready to go for my black sash I was brown sash still brown sash in it there's um, something about it being a sash that really belittles it. It's like wearing it's, a cummerbund, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a sash, but not the same way that girls on hen parties like, oh, you don't wear right. it cross shoulder. It doesn't say black on it with a little sparkly badge on it. No, it does right. not. Um, but no, yeah, so we did that and a lot of that stuff in that uh, I ended up teaching uh, Tai Chi yeah. as a 16 year old guy who just had to help out with the class afterwards. So, like, 16, like, nothing mental. 16 step Tai Chi, like fairly basic sequences and stuff like that. During that, we would do some pretty lengthy conditioning bits, five minute planks and, and mm-hmm. horse stands and things like that. And there's a definite difference. I think that the, the body weight, 100%. Is, is a massive factor. I, I personally think, obviously, you just yeah, have I mean, to but, lift yeah, more if, off the ground. If you look at a lot of the ab uh, sequencing that we do, you're using your lower back, your sacrum as a fulcrum, essentially, and I'm cueing you to get your shoulders as far off the ground as you can and your feet are up. So if there's more yeah, weight exactly. in the shoulders, there's yeah, more yeah, weight yeah, off yeah, the yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, 100%. It does pain, yeah. And strength very much is a skill. And, um, you know, you can take someone who benches uh, three plates or more, but ask them to like press into a handstand or something and it's a very mm-hmm. different Can't it, do it. yeah even yeah. if they have and and this is um, everyone else can do it though it's true it is um, there is this but, you know as, as you said as well with it, within gymnastics you'll so an elephant lift is when you're standing with your legs apart and you put your hands on the floor and you press with straight arms into a handstand mm-hmm. any nine-year-old girl can do that mm-hmm. and and it's so can you do it 
I just can. about, but it's really hard. Right. It's like a one RM. Yeah. And so it's very emasculating to see these these little girls. The amount of times that I think like, how why have I spent all this time in the gym? When <laughs> if I can't, do you feel like in a yoga class where you're looking around the room? All the time. All yeah. the time. And I just think you need to start like yeah, don't look around the room. Just concentrate I, on your own. I, I don't need to look around the room. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm cueing you no now. One else, no, no. no one else. No one else is <laughs> making the same noises that we have. There's only three people making the same noises in the class. There's like, and it's from Chris over there. You sit right behind me. <laughs> but it's it's oddly reassuring to hear the suffering yeah. that they're going through. And yeah, that's yeah, one that's of the true. reasons yeah. that I don't like doing the class when they're not there. Um, <laughs> is because I like to know that other people are going through the agony. That yeah, it helps. I like it when the um, what is it? It's dolphin. Yeah. Yeah. With hands like that. Yeah. And I find that really hard. Yeah. I don't know how to explain that for people listening. You've, uh, yeah, so dolphin is essentially like down dog, but on your forearms. Mm. So your elbows And your are forearms are, they're meant to be parallel to each other, facing yes. forward with palms. Yes. You can clasp them, but yeah, yeah. usually we do but that's like the, 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 the new game. So the only fun yeah. bit of that is like, okay, now grab your own biceps and you're like, oh, oh you yeah. love that bit. That's your favourite bit. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's his favourite. If you do oh, that, the the competent. Competent. Yeah. Yes, oh, I have massive biceps. <laughs> 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 Finally, I haven't been wasting my time entirely. <laughs> <laughs> but when you go, you go into the, in, in the position, I can always see, like, oh, this is really hard, this is really hard. I see your face. I'm like, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you guys haven't been to class for a couple of weeks, so I was I was training with my mentor called Jambo, and he's he started really cooking people in dolphin for like twenty breaths. Cooking people. <laughs> yeah, you get in the pose and you just sit with it and just the fact let, that let it freeze. Cooking people in dolphin. Yeah. Like, so when yeah, so when I when I say that when I say that it's like yeah it's 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 getting the energy in your body moving because you've just finished an ab sequence. So this, this is the reason why we do abs as well near the start. It's to warm the body up for what's to come. So you've got all of this heat firing around you your did core. It, you did it this Thursday. You did it, we yeah, in, yeah. We were in Dolphin kept for, it for ages. quite a while. And that was... But it's crazy. good because it brings like that heat that you've just created in your core. And then it's, it does. You feel it start moving around the chest, around the upper back, down into the legs. And it, it, it yeah, it just it gets stuff moving. Um, and then people hit a barrier with it. And then you get them to breathe through that barrier. And that's, that's when you really start working through all these layers of tension do you in the think, body. Do you, how, how much do you think, so let's talk about a position like dolphin, which mm-hmm. is essentially just a static hold, isn't it? What's the, what yeah. would be the technical, is that an isometric hold or a static yeah. hold? So that plank, it's basically a different version of plank. Yeah. But how much of the fatigue and the desire to quit and the, the failure at that pose do you think is muscular failure? And how much of it do you think is so, yeah, psychological? More so psychological, I'd say. Uh-huh. It, I think it comes from, so what, what I see, I take you guys for example, is a, is, is a, a real gripping on. Mm. So like you're, it's not, you're it's like, not breathing through it. It's, no, it's, you're tense and everything, just trying to grip and just power your way through the pose. But when, when you can let go of that, so for you guys that will be gripping on in rhomboids in the upper back, in the lats, if you can just let it go and breathe through it, you'll you know, you, you get this relaxation, you let go of the tension, and then you find this lift. And Conversely, it's, yeah, it's feels you, easy, everything yeah. feels light in it. You feel it when you let go of that of that gripping. You feel everything just lengthen and lighten, and then you right. can keep going through the pose. And that's 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 kind of why it works, keeping people in the pose for a long time. Because if you keep them in for so long that they've got to let go of that gripping at some point, or they come out of the pose. Yeah, which I is think, fine as well. I but. think dolphin particularly is quite good for it because 
you don't like if you were in a, a plank or something else where you've got the sort of more moving parts mm. with dolphin you're pretty well wedged yeah 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 like yeah, it's, yeah it's feet versus elbows mm. essentially yeah and you, you're not really going anywhere unless you let yourself drop mm-hmm. um, i think that's the position's designed i suppose so that it doesn't need to be maximal abdominal contraction to keep you in that position. No, no, yeah. Well, I mean, with dolphin, it's yeah. about it's about lengthening the spine. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be about about unwinding the hamstrings, but I always cue people that it's more about lengthening the spine. So mm-hmm. go for it. If you need a slight bend in your in your knees, um, because your your hamstrings are still tight, then then yeah, that'll get you and keep you in the pose. Exactly. I think so. Like again, going back to when Yusuf was like, oh, "I'm trying yoga," I'm like, oh, "All right, yeah, okay, mate, yeah, fine." <laughs> Um, I thought, story, bro. like, yeah, I thought, like, oh, it's, it's, you know, you hear women talk about doing yoga as part of like body pump or body balance, or mm-hmm. like men as well, in fairness. But like, my, my girlfriend at the time was doing like some yoga stuff in her class in, at the gym, and so you kind of immediately think, like, oh, I'm, I'm above that. It's just a, it's a lower form of exercise. Yeah, and I think that's how I perceived yoga for a well, long time. Well, this is the time. way that, that, like, because we write about training for hypertrophy and strength and mm-hmm. fat loss. And so everything is seen with that lens. And so mm-hmm. when you look at yoga from that paradigm, yeah, mm-hmm. of course, like you think, oh, well, that, that's just like a, a roundabout way of stretching. But it, but your experience is different, right? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's m- missing yeah. the point. So I think we, we said it in it. Sorry. Well, I'm just, <clears throat> just trying to get across to people because if everyone else listening, mm-hmm. presumably, unless they've tried yoga, they have the same or similar opinion. 100%. So the idea that yoga is more of a like learning to let go in a position and learning to deal with the physical sensations that come mm-hmm. up in a different way. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's a way of yeah of, of explaining it? So I'm really interested in Johnny's experience on this because I'd imagine people listening probably see me as the as the hippie one um, with a bit more. Because you are. With a bit. <laughs> well, I'd say I'm the hippie one. Well, you're in, in, in this room. Certainly, I turned so. up here with no shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you're yeah, actually right with no shoes. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> oh my god. I left the house, got in the car, and then halfway here we got Oh, because when you said that to me, I was like, oh, well, of course you'd have gone back in. And got some <laughs> no, shoes. no, no, I just kept going. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. God, it's such a fucking stereotype. <laughs> 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 a yoga teacher. If you'd come in with, if you'd come in balancing tofu on your head, that would yeah, be Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any more yoga. Everyone asks, are you vegan? I'm so yoga right now. <laughs> Whereas yeah, so so Johnny's come into it from um, from a place of of zero zero experience with this stuff mm. and and actually really enjoyed it. It's the same as Chris. Mm. Well, yeah, hey, it's the same as me two years ago. Like, yeah, I wasn't a, I wasn't a yoga. Is that how long really? Yeah, yeah, I've I've so about two two and a half years now of practice, mm-hmm. and and yeah, coming up on a year of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got into it and just fully went into it. Do you it. find a different sense of fulfillment from teaching as well now? Yeah, yeah. So you, you guys know the feeling. You get that kind of yoga stone feeling sometimes at the end of a class where you're a little bit like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Like, you get that from teaching as well when, it, when it's a good class and everyone's breathing and, and there's a good energy in the room. Um, yeah, you come out of it with a really good Even feeling. More. It, well, I guess it amplifies. If, if your benefit is by one, yeah. then by... Yeah, and 20, 30 people in a class. Yeah, it might be. So, but we we were saying, I don't know if I mentioned about the, the podcast that drained you. So I turned up here, and you two no guys were absolutely wiped out. <laughs> <laughs> you look really drained. Yeah. Um, and apparently, it was because of a podcast. Guest who it's a podcast that is it, at some point in the past, relative to this one that you're listening to now. Mm. But we won't tell you. But which we won't one. tell you which one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
So it can be like that in a class. If I come in a class and you guys just don't breathe and everybody's just got this brick wall up and, and I'm trying to punch through that to, to get you in your body, it can be draining. I was going to say, have you had some tough classes? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, more often, more often they're, re- they're, they're good, but there's the odd one that'll be like, you know, that, that sucked the life out of me. It needs some activation energy to yeah, activate in the, in the, I, Yeah, I mean, I feel it in different rooms. You know, yeah, you walk into a room and you depend on who's turned up on the day and what they've turned up with. Sometimes you, it just, everybody gets breathing straight away and you can hear it in the room and you, you can feel it and you can use that while you're teaching and everybody ramps it up. And other times everyone's just tall, brick wall, flat. Oh, okay. And There'll it, definitely be some of it of like, and I think for me, because I still feel very new to it, like I don't want to be the loudest one in the room. Because mm, yeah. there's, there's still this, this thing of it's your, everybody yeah. else here feels to me more experienced. Yeah. Especially when we're in a pose and I'm like, you know, I feel like shaking the whole position. <laughs> and I can see other people aren't. Yeah. Like, mm, if I start really giving it the beat. Like, like wearing the flashiest football boots on it's the pitch. All, all the gear and no idea. Like, yeah. yeah. No, you need all to let go of your own resistance. Like that, that, when you get on that mat, that practice is for you. You alone. Don't concentrate no on what's going yeah. on in the rest of the room. Get your awareness into your body, not yeah. everybody else's. Yeah. Like, it's really important. You, The practice will unlock things in you when you get that bit. It can take a long, long time to get that bit. But when you get it, it's pretty revolutionary. Yeah. So Robin, the kind of people, so the, the people that listen to our podcast mm. are primarily trained, they're doing some form of resistance training three or four times a week mm. with movements that involve generating full body tension mm-hmm. all the time. So they've been conditioned for that. Most likely they work in a desk job or office job or student or, or shift patterns. Shift or patterns. Yeah. Or yeah. Manual labor, yeah. Um, and then the psychographic of that are people who are training for hypertrophy or, or physique. Um, there's always going to be an accompanied sense of um, looking for body confidence, looking for um, to improve how they look. And there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of associated neuroticism around that, particularly around food and mm-hmm. their self-image. Consequently, the, or, um, the people with uh, powerlifting goals mm-hmm. also have a kind of obsessive neurotic approach with spreadsheeting out all their training and... Uh, you know, uh, yeah, obsessive track. Well, I think and, we, we push that, don't we? Like, we're I've really seen that back into everything else. Yeah, yeah, I get that. No, that, that works for your training. All I'd say is you take time out to do what we do. Well, so yeah, what, what I was going to ask you is how mm. how can, wh- where do you see the, um, I, I've been hinted towards it, but where, <laughs> where, where do you see the, um, the missing links there and what what's required to undo some of that? So I'd say, okay, I'd say you, you mentioned sitting at a desk or driving or anything like that. So this is where forest yoga comes in to be a really good practice for for the woes of the modern world. So we all sit in this position where you've got, your chest is shortened because you're reaching forward for a keyboard or a steering wheel. So people, people always complain of upper back problems. You know, their shoulders hurt, they've got tension there. But the problem isn't that, it's because their, their chest, their pec major, minor is locked short. So you come to a forest yoga class and we have a, a pose called chest open on the wall where you put your back hand on the wall and you really open out and stretch it. So that pose is specifically designed for that modern wall. Um, same with short hip flexors. You sit down all day, your hip flexors are going to shorten. And what you'll then end up with is, is an anterior tilt in the pelvis. And then you get compression in the lower back. Then if you're squatting and deadlifting as well, yeah. you're worse than the mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is coming to yoga. You, you. If you go around a powerlifting meet, everyone's yeah. sticking their bum out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. you, you talk about body image. I mean, you know, there's a there's a side with forest yoga where you know for people with eating disorders, there's there's a there's a path through that to start working with those issues. But take it back a step. 
if you've got someone who's training in the way you're saying and they want to make those gains so that they look better, feel better, someone with an anterior tilt in the pelvis is always going to have that pot belly that they can never train away. So you can come to yoga and realign posture and make gains that you'll never get or would put a lot of effort into getting through through the type of training you guys talked about. Because everyone's seen the, the, the meathead in the gym who's got who's really internally rotated and yeah. w- walking like an ape and they've got um, the lordosis and they just yeah. look a bit silly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, anterior to the pelvis, you're going to be compressing your lower back, you'll have a, a, a pot belly. You'll see in, in all the forest yoga classes you come to, how many times in a class from IQ tuck your tailbone. And that's to, that's that's the re you know to correct that that anterior tilt, uh, and it's the same with the chest opening the wall. It's to open up the chest, pull the shoulders back, and also all the stuff with relaxing the neck, and that that brings the head back into line. And this is where you can you can change your physical appearance on a superficial level by correcting posture. And I think that might tie in with your audience. Yeah, absolutely. I think even if it like I think injury risk is going to be managed much much more. Like that's probably the, one of the reasons why I was so keen to do it was mm-hmm. I was my training was picking up in intensity and you become increasingly aware of, of like all I do is squat, bench and deadlift mm-hmm. and some accessory stuff um, it really specific movements that have quite a lot of demand on end range of certain positions but my general mobility is quite poor mm-hmm. I need a way to and Chris and I were chatting about this like I if I just say to myself right I'm going to train my mobility I'm like I'm never going to do that realistically. I, I think yeah. I think I've had a New Year's resolution for probably bordering on eight years to do morning stretching. Yeah, yeah, but it's, in, it's horrible. In, written in speech marks. And Morning's <laughs> a good time to stretch as well because all the fascia, the connective tissue in the body, that all you know overnight that'll start to to, to knit together. Yeah, so it's important to open that up. I think without without the structure, mm. it's just you, it's it's like giving someone. A, that's never been in a gym before, all of the equipment of a gym. Yeah. And they say, right now, like, off you go. Off you go. Both. Yeah. I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. And even if they did somehow manage to work out how to bicep curl and how to bench press and do all the rest of the thing, their, the deepness of their practice and the effectiveness of it, they don't know the rep ranges, which would be the breathing. Yeah. They don't mm. understand the, you know what I mean? What are you doing? I'd You're wielding a lightsaber. <laughs> I would would recommend online classes it's a really difficult thing to get a a solid home practice going with yoga I struggled with it for a long time to be honest I didn't really get a decent home practice until I'd finished a a teacher training which not everyone's going to do but there's some really good online stuff Anna Forrest has some stuff on Cody app uh, and, and I use that as well at home and you can just put it on and just take a class for an hour and just crack up yeah yeah and that, that gets you queued through everything mm-hmm. if you compare it to like the standard like personal trainer or PE teacher stretching mm-hmm. you know you're just like yanking on your muscle tissue and hoping that something's going to happen like oh I did that for two minutes this morning mm-hmm. and then by the afternoon you feel exactly the same as you did before yeah. you stretch yeah <clears throat> and convincing yourself to do that every day when you aren't seeing concrete change of results mm-hmm is as we Chris and I both found just is a absolute dead end yeah Yeah. so I think yoga by comparison provides some of that benefit but has the like the psychological mental release as well yeah especially when you go to a class it's like we said this before I don't need to worry about it in a podcast back end of last year when we were I think it was maybe just before we started and we were considering starting and I'd said I've been thinking for ages I want to spend 
do a day where I spend a, a lot more time meditating because 15 minutes a day is fantastic. But mm. If I could add an hour a week mm-hmm. on top of that, I've like doubled my, my week's amount of meditation and also I need to work on my mobility. And I remember thinking to myself, the thought, I wish there was something where I could do like meditating and mobility at the same time. I was going to say, yeah, mm. but my and meditation but, is but my because of, because of how you've been conditioned especially as a, a, a young guy, mm-hmm. you think that like yoga is like bums and tums. Yeah. Like that's the category that yeah, yoga was in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boxer size, yeah. Zumba fit, <laughs> yeah. bums and tums yoga. No, like, it's been around the three thousand. So it's bums and tums. Fair enough. So it's body There's Mills. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. It's combining the two. It does. You, there comes a point where your yoga practice can become your meditation practice, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, forest yoga got that for me as well because the key is breath. Um, mm. You said something interesting, Yusuf. I think after one of the classes where you said that you felt using yoga as meditation um, was like um, trying to cycle uphill a little bit because you were in a level of discomfort that distracts you from focusing internally I think it depends so for, for me my sticking point is inhabiting the body right. I don't think that's for everybody I mm-hmm. think my personal sticking point because I'm too cerebral as a person mm-hmm. um, too stuck up in my head I think um, I've been very cut off from my body and mm-hmm. I think I hold a lot of tension in my neck you can probably even hear it in my voice mm-hmm. um, so for me the I've been doing several years of meditation but it was starting to plateau and hit a brick wall, and that's only when I started. It's ujjayi um, breathing. Yeah, exactly the ujjayi breath, yeah. and, and a, my, I do a very simple morning yoga practice, like five pose sequence, and it's up on the wall there. Um, that is. And so uh, that Robert the market. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that that has been, and, and my my coach is saying the same thing that I need to that, that that's the next step for me to to start inhabiting the body. And I imagine I'm not alone with that. I'm sure a lot of people who um, live their life with a, with too much focus up in the head mm. and very little, they're disconnected from their body. Even if they train, even if they go to the gym and stuff, I, I don't think it's quite the same as learning to really feel out the inside of the body. Definitely it's not. Yeah, much, it's a different know. experience altogether. And I was in exactly the same position as you, to be honest, really, really stuck in the head. Everything would be going 100 mile an hour, really analytical, logic-based thought processes. And meditation if, if i if my meditation was to just sit and be in my own head then i'd probably just turn into a new you know it'd be a really neurotic experience mm-hmm. so by transferring it into the body the body just has this calm and and yeah just this it's a different awareness in your body when when you drop your awareness into your body it's a different type of wisdom that's mm-hmm. it. so something i'd love to ask you about is yeah um, when you start dropping into the body so you, you said that you had 20 years of grief that yeah. just suddenly came out once you were actually opened up into that yeah. channel and I imagine it can be quite overwhelming when you first open up in this no it was bliss I'd been waiting for it yeah I was yeah I you know it was like it was like walking through a desert and then someone comes up with like a tray with a really refreshing wow. cold drink that's what it felt like it was that level of bliss so the analogy, the analogy. yeah I, well this is it's better than the analogy I was thinking of which is uh, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> spreadsheet based <laughs> I was on the wrong tab yeah. um, it's uh, taking a big poo <laughs> because you're, you are holding toxic material in your body mm. that is going to only slowly um, get become more toxic mm-hmm. and when, when you fully let go of it 
it's out of your body and uh, your body feel lighter. to balance again. Yeah. You do feel lighter yeah. when you let go of that stuff, you feel lighter. The poo analogy works, you see. Having a big poo feels fantastic. So something someone yeah, it like, does. Absolutely um, fantastic. I, I, now that we're on a toilet thing, I have got I've got <laughs> God. Right. Do you think that there is a level of freedom that can be given to going for a wee as a man? And allowing your external and internal pants to drop all the way down to your ankles <laughs> while you do it. They're both both sets of pants. Both okay. sets of pants got do you wear two pairs of ankles, pants? To the like American pants and English pants. Um. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. That was, that was <laughs> pants. Pants. Wearing your pants. So your pants um, and your pants. So dropping <laughs> dropping dropping trow from yeah. trow to ankle. Yeah. Like there's, there's just a I, I like did it. I primary did school pissing. I did, I, yeah. I would call that primary school pissing. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, exactly. Standing at the urinal. Yeah. Like I think if you, if you walk into a toilet and see somebody doing that, I immediately feel a, a little bit alarmed. Right, it doesn't have to be public. This can be, like, <laughs> this can be a little treat for yourself. <laughs> Honestly, I urge, I urge everybody who's listening for their next trip to the bathroom. For obviously for a number one, don't try and do it yeah. for number and two. And if they're male. Um, and if they're male, although some females, I don't know. Could you do it? No, you couldn't do it as a female. Uh, you need a she-wee. Yeah. A she-wee. Which is a device to focus the wee. The stream, stream of urine. Ah, uh, they use yeah. it at festivals and stuff. I imagine that around. reduces the level of freedom that you feel. Because you need a, yeah. you need a device. Yeah, true. But anyway, as a man, <laughs> so the freedom. There, is, there is a massive level of freedom. Like, just a little bit of breeze on your buttocks. Is this mm, something like you've it's... tried recently, coincidentally? <laughs> something you've been advised to do? Um, I'd, It was, yeah, yesterday. Just, you thought, yesterday. fuck this. <laughs> yesterday. I've had enough of this. I'm dropping my internal and external pants. It wasn't. It was yeah. It was on a morning. It was on a morning, and it was after a, after Jordan made me do fifty five deadlifts at hundred kilos. In fact, it was this morning. Fifty five deadlifts at hundred kilos yesterday, and my my shorts, my pajama shorts fell down, and my back was so tight that I didn't want to have to bend down to get them. So I just continued and, you and feel this feel found nice, I found some you pleasure in the practice. <laughs> Measure in the practice. Do you either have a forest yoga class based around the intended <laughs> dropping your dropping trials. Yes. <laughs> Something that Robin took us through um, a few weeks ago, no, which I was. Know what's um, coming here. So we, we, we start, I don't. <laughs> we do. Start bringing the um, the breath uh, down our inner flute, and uh, <laughs> I did not use those words. <laughs> I have never used the words inner flute. Inner flute. <laughs> I don't imagine anybody in history ever has. <laughs> yeah. It's a tantric term, I think. Oh, okay. And it resulted in, like, okay, now cup your genitals. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Primary then, breath. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 all, and all three sense. of us were like, uh... Yeah. And, and Robin was like, well, you know, if, if you're not... If you're afraid to cup your own genitals, yeah. then you're obviously holding... Um, there's some holdback. There's some sexual shame there. And I, think, uh, I think you said something like, it, "It's okay." So the cue is is one that I've I've heard Anna use, and it's like, if you don't own that area, who does? That's it. So I was and like, I found fuck that this. quite. I'm yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the thing with yeah. yoga, and this the, I I can't comment on other styles of yoga, but you will see it in forest yoga. You're encouraged to move through your own resistance, mm. and you experience it, Johnny, with with looking around the room and seeing what everyone else is doing. Everyone experiences it on their own way. And it's about moving your own bullshit out of the way mm. and then going deeper into your own body. And you just keep scraping off layers of resistance and more and more and more stuff comes up and it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. What happens when you when you scoop away the resistance? What's another it? layer comes up. So you scrape one off, another one comes up and you go, you go deeper. Does it get progressively through. more difficult as well? It can do, but... <laughs> 
and this is yeah this is the other thing it doesn't it's not always negative so you're not always scraping off these negative layers and it's not all about you know we talk about crying and emotional release sometimes it's fucking ecstatic spectrum when you scrape a layer off and then you know you can inhabit a part of your body in a different way you create space and then you can move into it and it feels liberating so it's it's not just this negative or you know like everybody needs to to come here and, and, and release something or cry or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's on a full spectrum. I think that's, of I think that's inherently um, probably what a lot of people, again, would think if, if they've listened to what we're talking about here and it's a, a physical release and a, mm. a, a mental release, the act of releasing suggests that something behind it needs releasing, mm-hmm. i.e. there's a problem. Yeah. Mm. But it's not necessarily problem fixing or, no. or solution finding. No. Um, it, the, it's healing, but it's not. It doesn't have to be a cure. Can be found simply through yeah. doing it and just through increasing your awareness of your own body. Yeah. Without there being a a, a reason to or a requirement. Yeah, definitely. Like, like I said, the, the guy, the the guy Jambo, who, who's my mentor and who trained me, he said recently that you know you can have healing without having a cure. It doesn't necessarily have to be the cure. You're not necessarily going to fix yourself, but it can be healing. It's a healing process when you let go of some of this stuff. So what, what's the result in terms of your, your daily life, your baseline mood? Your oh, God, mine, like, I, if, if you saw me a year ago, A, you, you wouldn't recognise me. So my, my body type has changed. And I suppose this is relevant to, to the, the, the train that you guys are, are talking about a lot. So I used to lift weights. I used to train cardiovascular. And uh, yeah, I used to train hard. But my stress levels, cortisol levels were through the roof. And I would always hold on to fat that just would not shift. And you wouldn't believe it, the amount of calories I would be burning. It just would not shift. Right. And, and now, I, I mean, I've, I've started introducing some short sprints back into, uh, into my exercise routine. But for almost a year, all I've done is yoga. And my body type has completely changed. So it's physically changed the appearance yeah, of your body? Yeah, totally. And I don't necessarily <coughs> think it is just through the physical practice. I think it's in letting go of stress, letting go of tension. And what, what was your personality like? Because you, right now... You definitely come across as a very authentic and relaxed guy, even when yeah. you're teaching a class. No, I wasn't. I wasn't at all. I was. I was really neurotic, really analytic in my mind. I was always trying to put everything in a box and work everything out logically. And and like I say, I was saying before, I apologise to my, my partner, and if she's lifting in Gemma, yeah, like I, you know, I'd apologise again. I was a nightmare. I really was a nightmare. And Is that Gemma? Yoga therapies, yeah. Yeah, uh, she doesn't teach there, but she 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 she's sometimes a student there. Um, yeah, I, you know the way I used to go on my my patterns, my neurological patterns, my behaviour patterns, the sort of lessons that would just keep we talked about before that would just keep coming back around, and you would never get them, and and and, and yeah, it must have been a nightmare for anyone who was around me, and now completely different. I am a different person altogether. Like I don't think there's much left of me of the person I was. <laughs> before I did the yoga teacher that, training. Insane. Like it was transformational like, and I mean truly transformational. To, to have a personality transformation in a in such a short time, yeah. like a, a year or two years. <clears> One year, basically, yeah. I mean not even that, I'd say nine months. Go back to July when I did the training. It I mean, it was intense. It was there should there should probably be a little bit of a of, of a warning before you go on this because it can rock your life in every single aspect. 20, twenty eight days, you said. Yeah, twenty eight days, no days off, like three hour practice in the morning, and then you're processing all your own stuff, and then you're teaching in the afternoon. But you're teaching in a way that you know. I mean, I, I, I'd never taught anything before. Mm-hmm. I went on that course, and I, I, I because of all my self worth issues, I lacked a voice. Mm-hmm. So the way they would train me in the afternoon was to break down my own resistance to finding my voice. So which, is, which even, sounds now from someone who's listened to you do a class. Like, yeah, I couldn't even imagine that. Mm-hmm. We come in and it's 
it's it's authoritative but soft. It's reassuring. I'm always mm. blown away like how articulate and you don't even there's no ums or like second even you're getting the left and right yeah. correct when it's backwards. Yeah, mirrors. Yeah. 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 That comes, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, so the repetitive words, like that—that's part of the. I just said like that, which is one of my repetitive. <laughs> but when 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 you're trained to teach, they they train that out of you. Um, it's very fluid, very very thank fluid. Thank you. No, I appreciate the feedback. Guys. It is it is, it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it, one of the things because I'm still using Headspace, I'm still mm-hmm. meditation like noob level, um, <laughs> and from using Headspace and having Andy listening to Andy, Andy, it's Andy. hi guys, uh, okay. hi guys, <laughs> it's Andy. Um, and from listening to him now what I associate the, the flow and the way that he speaks for me it, it could be Robin and Andy could be swapped as far as uh, I'm concerned with regards to how I, how I hear it and, and, and the, the rhythm the rhythm that you speak at and the softness and the level of sort of teaching does become a meditation I must say like, I, I get in a, you just you get in a bit of a zone with it and, and we talked before about depending on the energy in the room but the, yeah you just get into a zone with it and by the end of it I'm doing Ujjayi breathing with you guys I'm mm-hmm. breathing with you guys so we're sinking breath do you ever get jealous of a of, class and thinking I wish I was like I love that pose I love pigeon like, I wish I was down there doing pigeon and no, not having to tell people yeah. to do pigeon no I, I quite enjoy it <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there must be a sadistic side the same way that a lot of the uh, a, a lot of the um, massage therapists who we visit yeah have a take a little bit of pleasure out of the obviously it's the end result that they're aiming for but there's a little bit of this is my this is my craft and you are at the mercy of it a little bit I'm glad you picked up on that because this is this is a this is something that does get talked about within our industry and there's a definite trend at the minute with students and clients expecting an emotional release mm-hmm. to cry for instance mm-hmm. and then you have teachers who in and massage practitioners who chase that yes and it's wrong mm-hmm. it's totally wrong it's it that can be a part of the healing that goes on in, in a yoga practice or a yoga class or, or with a bodywork client but it's it's wrong to chase it mm-hmm. All, all, a good teacher, a good practitioner, all they are there to do is to facilitate what out. is going on in your body. So they'll hold space for it. So whatever whatever you want to bring up, whatever yeah. you're ready to bring up, they should just be holding space for Enabling. that. Guiding you through it, facilitating you. When you've got people, you know, they'll, they'll go chase and they'll, let's say pigeon for instance, and then they'll, they'll come over and, 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 and just start digging around for a spot and trying to entice it out of someone. And that, that's wrong, you know. I mean, I, I can see in a class... So I'll go and assist somebody if I can see that they're on the verge, on their own, they've cultivated it themselves, that they're on the verge of maybe releasing something. Mm-hmm. I'll go over and just place my hands on them and breathe with them to make them feel safe and held. Because it, it, it's usually that last little bit of resistance that people, they'll tense up in the jaw and they'll be fighting it. Mm-hmm. And I'll try and help them move that little bit of resistance out of the way. And then if there's a release, great. If it's healing for them, great. Mm-hmm. But you don't go chasing it, mm-hmm. definitely not. Oddly similar to the final few reps of a, of, a, of a set or a workout being the ones that are often the most effective, isn't it? Mm. A little bit like that, I suppose. The final few breaths in a pause are the most effective, I'd say. Mm-hmm. It is similar in that way. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to make us cry on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So I saw Chris's Facebook post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So our yoga teacher is going to come and make us all cry. That, that's, that's not, that, that isn't what I do. But I'm, like I say, I'm pleased you mentioned it because it is prevalent in the industry. I imagine, the moment. Well, I guess... For a teacher as well, the, the, the mistake that teachers make you get caught up in that trap is when in the early days I'd say I maybe even fell for it myself to be honest because it's it's validating. Does it become a little, like a little bit of sort of dick measuring, so to speak? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, 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 
it tickles your ego, yeah, it Absolutely. can do. Because you can go in and you, you'd be like, oh, you know, somebody's, somebody's just had a real great emotional release and they feel great after it and, 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 and that's awesome for them. And it's validating, it can be validating for you as a, as a teacher and your ego's basically going, oh, you know, I can really go in and heal people. Yeah. And then you go in and you go chasing it and everyone and yeah. and, and you want not every time. Yeah, yeah, but when you're pushing it on people, everybody has their own organic rate of processing and release when it comes to the emotional side of things. And and it is not for you as a practitioner to go to push them ahead of where they want to go, where they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a fine line as well, you know? It's a fine line between facilitating what they're ready for and trying to dig something out of them. For sure, yeah. Well, I imagine mm-hmm. it, it, everything's got a little bit of a competitive nature to it, yeah. doesn't it? What was it that you called it, Yusuf? Was it spiritual materialism? Yeah, spiritual materialism. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah that sounds like a good a good term for it. Um, and I suppose the, the good thing about if, you, if you're cultivating a spiritual practice, you're progressing at the rate that you're comfortable with. <clears throat> And as you said, if, you, if as a teacher you're coming along and trying to accelerate that beyond somebody's uh, willingness to face things, it's mm. a bit like um, I don't know, forcing raping someone with psychotherapy or like for, yeah. forcing someone to confront issues that they're not yet ready with. And, I suppose, and it can make so. them shut down even more, you know. And the, the, yeah, that's that. Yeah, you definitely don't want to go down that road. Jumping into a jumping into a, a trying to do the full splits when you haven't yeah. been able to do, you know. Uh, yeah even even drop yourself down so your hands touch the ground exactly i mean especially in the yoga class as well you know okay one-on-one with a client you can you know you've got time to read that client Mm -hmm. and and maybe intuitively know that them that they've just got a little bit of holding on and and, and you want to push them just because they need that final block out the way Mm -hmm. but in a yoga Mm -hmm. class when you've got 20 people there you don't know everyone's story and you you don't know where everyone's at and you've just yeah you've got to you've got to ease back a bit and, and and just kind of work with the people who are ready to Mm-hmm. ready to do that 